Hello, and welcome to the Emmy Awards. I'm your host, Emmy Cardinale, and this is my podcast where I talk about what I've been watching or re-watching once a week. If this is the first episode of mine that you stumble upon and you enjoy it, please feel free to follow me wherever you listen to podcasts so you can get notified whenever an episode goes live. I typically upload on weekends, but this is a hobby and I do have a full-time job, so sometimes things get sidetracked and delayed and my last episode went out on Wednesday instead instead of Sunday like I had originally meant for it to be but I almost didn't put it out like I literally it was like 90 it was like 70% edited and I was like it's a Tuesday like I can't it's too late now because I I, I edited it for a couple of days and then I just like took a break I don't know why I just and but I got it out so sorry for missing I didn't miss a week. Sorry for the delay, and hopefully this episode will be out on Sunday, but, you know, things happen. I, I'm i feeling hopeful, though, because this one's kind of more structured, so I think it'll be easier to edit because I think sometimes my rambly episodes, I kind of pause. A, like, the thing is, I go on a million tangents in a structured episode already, like when I have notes. So when I don't have notes, I will, like, think of something, and I'll go on a tangent, and then... I end up just like, like, I don't know. I end up going on the most confusing tangents and sometimes my sentences don't flow super well. So there's just more editing involved in the episodes. I don't have notes because I'm, because I, I, I get off track and then I don't remember what track I was even on, you know? So it's, it's a disaster, but I really enjoy those episodes. Like I'm not going to stop doing them, but sometimes they do take me a bit more at edit, which is funny because I thought it would take me less time to edit because it wasn't, structured and I didn't think it was going to go for that long but and it wasn't a long episode it just like took me a while to edit it but anyways thank you if you care at all for the episode being late and please turn your notifications on so you can get notifications as soon as an episode goes live but I also post the episodes and updates on my twitter most of the time so you can follow me there my social media is linked below if you care at all thanks if you do it means a lot so this episode is going to be primarily a Traitors recap, episodes one through four. I had originally, because the Traitors, the first of season two, for the record, I mean, I feel like that's obvious, but season two recap of the Traitors episodes one through four, I thought that new episodes were going to be released on Fridays, not Thursdays, because the premiere and the first, like the first three episodes premiered Friday evening. So I thought that all the episodes were going to premiere Friday. So I'm recording this on Friday because I had originally intended to record this on Thursday and just do episodes one through three. But then a new episode dropped and I was like, well, I want to do all episodes. But then I had to rewatch the episodes and take notes. Um, I didn't have to, but I wanted to. And it just delayed me because I wasn't going to do that. But then I was like, episode four is so fresh in my brain that like, if I have these notes for episode four, I want to have them for all of them. So I rewatched ep- all the episodes and I took notes so I can have something to say. But yeah, that will be the bulk of this episode. I am going to touch briefly on Smash at the end because I want to talk about Smash specifically because I finished season two. Last week I talked mostly, like the entire episode was about Smash. And I talked mostly about season one because I'd only watched like two episodes of season two. But I and I do want to kind of share my thoughts after finishing the whole series because I have things to say about it. 
And part of me was like, well, this episode is going to be already kind of long, probably because of the traders recap. So I was like, maybe I should push off Smash for next week. But The Bachelor comes back on Monday. So next week's episode is going to be jam-packed as is because I'm going to be talking about the next traders episodes and The Bachelor episode. So I just like... I'm going to talk about Smash now before I talk about a bunch of other shows and suddenly it's May of this year and I'm like, oh, I never talked about my thoughts on Smash. So I'm going to do that at the end. Before I jump into the traders though, I want to touch briefly on the Percy Jackson show. I'm not going to talk about episode six in depth because I'm trying to not go too deep into it to save my thoughts for when I do a dedicated like deep dive recap post like post season thoughts because I feel like I don't know I I really liked episode six and word was it the was it perfect no nothing is I always have like I obviously have critiques but then I go on TikTok and I feel like I I started really like which is why I don't want to really talk about it I normally like talking about a show like as the episodes progress because I think it's nice to capture, but I honestly, I'm feeling weird about Percy Jackson, maybe because it's based off of a book that I care so much about that I don't really wanna do that because I feel like I, a lot of the, like I'll see critiques for something and then they like address it in the next episode or stuff. Like I just feel like because it's based on a source material that's an entire book and I wouldn't really, if I was reviewing a book, and obviously they're different mediums, but if I was reviewing a book, I wouldn't go like chapter by chapter and be like, mm, I'm not sure about that. It's, it's just a weird experience for me. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm gonna hold off, but I did just want to talk a little bit about how I've been feeling, not even, which is funny because I feel like most of my podcast segments, if you want to call them that, about this the show so far hasn't really been about the plot or anything or, or really much besides just how I'm feeling so I, I I did like I don't know I really I enjoyed the episodes and obviously like I have critiques when I'm watching everything but I think for me the nostalgia is so overwhelming and the this the series meant so much to me that seeing an adaptation which has like the the creator involved like I I don't know there's just I'm going into the episodes and I'm not really and I, I I talked about this a few weeks ago but it's like I'm not I I try to go into the show with like very low expectations of like it's not gonna be the book reincarnated or perfectly captured because that's not what it is like I went into it being like with no expectations I really didn't want to have expectations because I knew that it was its own thing it was a new iteration of it and I just wanted to enjoy seeing this world that I cared so much about captured in this new medium and so I've gone into it very much enjoying things and do I have like critiques and comments and feedback of course I do like I like to watch television critically I'm not just like this is amazing even some of my favorite shows like I think certain storylines don't make sense or it would have been better this way I think honestly it's a very weird like different experience for me watching a show based off of a book because I feel like I've I've obviously read books and then watched the adaptations but I've never had a book that meant as much to me as Percy Jackson did just by nature of like like most of the the movie adaptations that I can think of of like books are like I, I don't think there's a single like YA book that I like I, I mean it's also just like hard to say because I have a very different relationship with Percy Jackson as a series even from like other series I read growing up just 
because of how much it meant to me and how much I feel like it shaped a lot of my young adolescence. I, I literally did my senior thesis in English, like not inspired by, because I did talk about Percy Jackson, but it wasn't solely about Percy Jackson. So it feels weird to say that I did my senior thesis on Percy Jackson, even though I kind of did. It was about disability and young adult fiction. And I used Percy Jackson as like a framework. And I talked about other books that did. It wasn't like solely an analysis on Percy Jackson as a text itself. And I only talked about the original series. I like only the Olympian, just not the other stuff. But because that's already like six books that I was I was talking about on top of like the other books that I was comparing and contrasting. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. I think I'm just, I honestly, I've found myself being like, man, am I not that big of a fan? Because I will like, people will be upset about all these details and like, and I'm like, that didn't matter to me. Like, I don't know. I think, honestly, I don't think, I, I know I'm a fan of Percy Jackson. I know that I'm invested in it. I know that I know about Percy Jackson. Like, that's not even what, what this is about. I think it's just something so dear and precious to me that like, it's hard to come up on like this. You, you know what it is too? Is when I read Percy Jackson, I didn't, it's not like the book when the book came out and I was reading it, I was going on the internet and reading all these other people's like feedbacks and critiques and concerns. It was something that was so deeply personal to me. And obviously like people in my life, I knew had read it, but it wasn't like the same experience that I'm going through now. And I'm sure if I, if, if, if I was reading, like if the book was coming out and I was reading it and pe people all over the internet were talking about it, like it would, it would feel, it just, it feels so weird to me because the book, Obviously, I know it's a popular book and a lot of people have had met, like experiences with it and relationships to it. Like, I'm not saying that, but it's just a very different experience, I guess, to experience Percy Jackson like this with people breaking down things that they did well, things that they did wrong. Like I just, I, I Percy Jackson is such a deeply personal series to me that it, it's like, it's been a weird experience reading other people's feedbacks. Um, or reading other people's thoughts and, and critiques and, and stuff and specifically comparing it to the book and the way that they, they don't think it's... Which is interesting to me because I feel like it also really goes to show what things resonated the most with people w when they were reading it or what... Because I, I've seen people say that like the show doesn't have enough like... Like the fight scenes aren't that interesting. Like they're so fast and like there there's no... You know, and to me, like, I don't care about that. Like, genuinely, and I don't mean that in a, like, I don't care, so it doesn't matter whether people are upset about that or would prefer. Like, no, everybody's critiques are valid, but I'm saying I, what Percy Jackson meant to me and the parts that resonated with me were the characters and their struggles and, like, feeling different and navigating two worlds and all these things that I feel like the show is doing well. So I feel like I'm having less disappointment watching it do i find myself wishing i had more yes but i also think i i don't know i i i feel like i've tried to go into it very like positively and i'm like it's not going to be exactly like the books and do i wish that i could dive more into certain things or like expand on certain things i i do i genuinely do but i also am trying to be like if this was a movie i'd get a lot less of it like it's a tv show so I'm already getting more than if it was just a movie adaptation. Like I'm trying to think of the positives, 
But it's, it's just been a very weird experience for me as somebody who considers herself like a, a, a pretty big Percy Jackson fan. It's been a weird, it's been a weird experience for me. And it's not even like I'm seeking it out. Like I just, I like Percy Jackson videos that come up on my For You page. So the algorithm naturally gives me Percy Jackson videos. So after like, which I wasn't getting a ton and then my sister sent me like a Percy Beth edit. And I feel like after that, I started getting more. But it's just been a weird experience to like like an episode and then go on and people be like, they could have done this better, they could have done this better, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's a weird experience for me because I'm like, am I not a big, like, am I not a good Percy Jackson fan because I'm not particularly offended or critical of certain aspects that it seems like widely people are upset at. And I do understand certain like critiques people have about like the pacing and maybe exposition. I don't know if that's the right word, but I mean, no, I mean, I have seen people say that there's a lot of like exposition of them just explaining things. But I have to say as somebody who, again, I watch a lot of TV and I, I, I often when I'm watching a movie and, and somebody will like repeat something that it's like, you're like, I understand that critique generally when shows, it feels like they're explaining instead of showing. But I think there's a difference when a character is being told something or explained something or they're being informed for the first time. It's not like when, like there are examples where it'll be like, remember that time that we did blah, 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 blah. Or like, they're like, you're like, they say something that it's like the other person already knows. Like you don't need to repeat like, you're the number one blah, blah, blah. When, you know, like things like that, where it's like, you're just saying that, like they wrote that to tell the audience. I don't feel that way about, the exposition in the show because I feel like the information that's being given is given is being given to Percy it's not like they're just saying things that that feel obviously like they're in there because the audience wouldn't know the Percy is being told all this information for the first time to me that is not really bad writing I think there are certain aspects that obviously can be honed in and 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 improved upon 100% but I I just I don't know I'll have more thought out critiques and like in-depth plot points and stuff in my deep dive in a few weeks but I just really wanted to say that because I've, I've been feeling kind of it's a thought and feeling I had about a tv show so that's what this podcast is but now that I've gotten that out of the way I'm gonna jump straight into the traitors so season two episode one is called betrayers fakes and fraudsters I did watch season one and I believe that I talked about it on this podcast I don't think I I no, I know I didn't like recap it or really talk, but I, I have mentioned it a few times in passing. So I, I did watch season one and I have to say that this cast is entirely former reality TV stars, which I think was an extremely smart casting choice. And I think that they should continue it this way. I think half rookies or whatever, I don't know the exact numbers, but I feel like it was pretty split, like half and half. I think it should be all people competing for the first time or all reality TV stars. I think there was an inherent imbalance and there is still, there are still levels obviously to like people who have played Survivor versus like the housewives. But I think when you, most reality TV shows going into it is a very difficult mental experience. And I think playing a game for a first time can be very difficult. And then when you're competing against people who like that's their profession, they have dealt with reality TV production 
like be, like you are at a disadvantage because you're learning for the first time what it means to be on a reality TV set and play this kind of game with people who have already done this and are in this field. And I even think there are like some, if you haven't seen season one, Suri Fields won and the, the faithful that got to the end with her have like been kind of upset about like her win and that Ari Lang Dyke Jr. even posted about it on Instagram recently, which like don't even get me started on that man, okay? I will go off. I I will go off. He's like she, he's oh okay. No, I'm not gonna get into it. But anyways, my point is, I think that there is a level to like they were just regular civilians, and that was Suri Fields. Like like a big thing that came up was that they needed the money and that they kind of felt like Suri was using that against them in some capacity. And to me, it's just kind of like, I don't, obviously they're not all at the same level financially, probably all of these contestants, but I think there's probably less of a like layer and they're all probably being paid to be on the show and probably paid more than, I don't know how it worked last season, but when your first time contestant on a, a reality TV show, depending on the show, you don't get paid or you get paid like a stipend. From my knowledge, I've never been on reality TV, but this is from what I've gathered, just from people who have been on Bachelor and then go on Bachelor in Paradise. Bachelor contestants, for example, when you're the contestant, you don't get paid at all. You don't get paid anything, not a stipend, nothing. It's like you're there and obviously like you don't you have to buy a bunch of dresses, which is like a huge expense, but you don't get paid to be on the show. It's a completely non-paid position. And then if you go on Paradise, you do get a stipend there because now you're more quote unquote talent, I guess. Big Brother and shows like that, you do get a stipend if it's like a competition show. From my understanding, again, I, but this is what I've gathered. So I imagine all of these reality TV stars probably have some kind of appearance fee or some kind of like they've they've been around the block so they probably have contracts and and people to get them like something that is worth going for so i feel like most of them while obviously they're there for the money it's probably not just about that where i feel like season one like a big thing at the end was like we really need the money and we felt like sari was like bringing up the fact that we had families and like using the fact that we need like i just feel like that level is not really as big of a factor probably. I'm sure that they could use the money. Parvati said she wants to buy like a house because she just got divorced. Like, I'm not saying that they that they're like Jeff Bezos level rich or like that they don't that money is not an object. I'm not saying that, but I think it's just inherently a different dynamic when you are like a reality TV contestant for the first time against like vets who have been on competitive reality TV or just reality TV in general and like know what they're doing because you're not only figuring out how to play this game you're also like navigating being on reality TV for the first time and also like if you're if you're like starstruck that could probably impact things like it's just it's a lot cleaner this way and I think it's also really interesting because not to jump too far ahead and then I'll actually get into recapping the episode. But I think the all reality TV aspect is allowing more clicks to form based off of shows and like genre of shows. That is, is adding a very interesting layer that I don't feel like was in season one because it's like half the people like th this is it, it's just it's a lot more interesting in my opinion. I think it was a smarter move. And I'm not saying that like, like I, I just feel like it should be either or. The half reality TV contestants, half like people who've never been on reality TV 
in my opinion, muddied the waters too much. I think this is a lot better. Um, but anyways, moving on. So the opening scenes, they're in Scotland. The cast is like in different cars. Like they're not all in the same car and they're kind of talking about who they think is going to be there. Who's like not in their same car. Parvati doesn't want to see Sandra from Survivor because they've been on Survivor together and Sandra won the season Parvati didn't. The aesthetics of the show, I have to say, are stunning. Like I would love to go just to like wear really cute outfits and be in Scotland. Janelle and Dan from Big Brother reunited and the last time they played a game together, he got to second place and she got out pre-jury. No, no, no shade to Janelle. That season was kind of weird too because they were like coaches and then they weren't coaches. Anyways, Peter and Kevin... Peter, Pilot Pete, and Kevin from Bling Nation have started bonding early on. I feel like they're a bit of a dynamic duo. Alan's a fashion icon. There are 21 players, all reality TV contestants. And again, some of the players have a history. CT, Janelle and Dan, obviously. CT and Trishelle have both been on the challenge and they have a history. Sandra and Parvati were on Survivor together and they have a history. The housewives know each other. Phaedra's already establishing herself as a really funny contestant from the first episode. At the beginning, they're all kind of getting to know each other. Janelle is talking about Johnny Bananas, and she's like, he's from the challenge, and Kevin goes, or no, Janelle says he won the challenge, and Kevin goes, what challenge? And she was like, no, the show, the challenge, which is so funny. But there's a couple this season, Larsa and Marcus, which is an interesting dynamic. They're the first couple to be cast on the show together. That's interesting. Before, I have to say something I liked, another improvement that I liked from season one is that we got to see more, we like we got to see Alan interviewing the contestants before he chose the traitors. Um, and some of them were like, I don't wanna be a traitor. Some of them were like, I was born to be a traitor. Like we got different approaches, which I think was really nice because I feel like season one, it was just like, boom, these two people or three people are the traitors. And there was no, obviously they all seemed happy about it, I guess. I don't think anyone was upset to be a traitor, obviously. I think even if, I know Cody Calafiori in season one, he was like, it was really wearing on me. But I think going into it, even if you're like, I think this would be hard for me. I think it's just better odds to be a traitor because you have more power, you know? You have more information and thus you have more power in the game. So it's just better to be a traitor obviously but we got to see Alan interviewing the players before he chose the traitors people I'm starting to like right away Deontay such a sweetheart like I I loved him from the beginning Parvati explains like I'm, I'm pretty sure Deontay says that he doesn't want to be a traitor I know Pilot P would want to be a traitor Parvati says she just got divorced and wants to buy a house and then at the round table it's like it's not an official round table, but they're at the round table where they, they hold the banishments every night. And he goes in circles and he taps people on the shoulder. And the two traders selected, there are only two traders selected in this first go around, which is unique or different from last season. Last season, it was three people chosen off the bat. Two traders are selected and it's Dan and Phaedra. Dan, I know from Big Brother, obviously I'm a Big Brother fan. I've seen both of his seasons. Love him. Legend, icon. I have to say, I admire Dan. I feel like there are some Big Brother contestants, like players, but I feel like wouldn't play again. Cough, cough, Derek. Simply, like, and I don't know, because I don't listen to anything from Derek, so I, I'm not, like, saying this as fact, but I feel like from my perspective, I don't feel like Derek, and maybe it's because he, he doesn't want to leave his family. I don't know, his, his reasons on paper. 
But part of me feels like it takes balls to like be willing to play again when you have everything to lose. You know, it's like there's a difference. And this is obviously different, but when you were like a popular contestant on like one of your main bachelor seasons and then you decide to go on paradise there's more risk you know you have more to lose your reputation is is good people like you and and bachelor nation is fickle as most television audiences specifically in the reality tv world are fickle you know it's so extreme it's so black and white it's so like you do this one thing you say this one thing you're this way you know you're put into a box immediately and i'm not saying that i don't do that either okay i'm, I'm just saying i feel like this is my perception of bachelor nation and reality tv audiences in general they're very fickle and they're very set in their ways when they feel a way about something I don't know if that makes sense. But anyways, I think you have more to lose. And I feel like it takes guts being one of the players who people have said is one of the greats, you know, to go on a different form of reality TV. And like, he could fail. He could very well fail. I think he's done a really good job so far. But I I just, I I appreciate just being willing to play again. You know, that's all I'll say. Love Dan. And then Phaedra, who is from The Real Housewives. I, I knew nothing about Phaedra. I have not watched any of The Real Housewives. I watched the finale of Salt Lake City because everybody was talking about that. And I did start Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I started it from the beginning, but I got bored. No hate, no hate. I think, like, I didn't get bored. It was just one of those things where it was deeply unrelatable to me because not only aren't they rich, but they're talking constantly about like Mormonism and like, I don't care about Mormonism. Like with all peace and love, like I don't care about Mormons. I feel like, and it's not like a like, fuck you if you're Mormon, but it's like, this is deeply unrelatable to me. And I just feel like we should treat Mormons more the way we treat Scientologists. Like, but that's my opinion. I don't, you know, anyways. um, I don't know, I don't know anything about Phaedra, but my sister did send me that video of her talking about her her pregnancy (laughs) if you haven't seen it i really recommend it it's so funny and i like i didn't understand it at first it was like why is she lying about like how far along she is but i watched more clips and apparently like she it's like about to have a baby pretty soon after getting married and i from what it seems is she's lying about the due date because she doesn't want to like her family to know that that clearly she had sex before she was married because that's like not okay in in her family or whatever. So that I think is the understanding, but I have to say it's really funny. And she is hilarious on the show. Like I I really am enjoying Phaedra so far. And I've said this many times. I said this about House of Villains. Like I just love a reality TV show that is like a bunch of different, because it introduces me to people. I never, I've never seen Survivor, but I knew who Suri was going into Big Brother 25 because I watched her on the traders. Like I just like getting to see all these different people. Like it makes me want to go and watch Phaedra on The Real Housewives because she's so entertaining. It makes me want to watch Bling Nation because Kevin is such a fascinating <laughs> character to me. You know, it, it, it's great. It's great. And I feel like I, one of my favorite Bachelor Nation podcasts, who I like, I talk about all the time, Game of Roses, Bachelor Clues, Chad, he does this thing on their Patreon where he will watch certain shows with you. 
and like he'll he'll film himself watching them and then you can watch them with him and he's been doing that with the traders and it's been so fun for me as somebody who likes big brother and knows of dan obviously very well to watch him kind of learn who dan is for the first time like i just think that's such an interesting thing about this kind of reality tv but i've been going on a, on a million tangents anyways so dan and faith are the traders janelle wishes she was a trader we also find out that they can recruit somebody tonight which again i think is an improvement from from last time like there's this added element there's still three traders going into the first banishment like there there's still three traders from the beginning but it's just a little bit different you know because the the third trader when they recruited last season it was like more towards the end so i i, I like that there's a recruit from the beginning because it gives the traders and an additional power you know to to choose who's on their team right after the traders are chosen and everybody removes their blindfolds accusations are already flying left and right janelle questions john who's like a former member member of parliament um who's to her right she's like you were breathing kind of weirdly what was that about so already accusations flying everywhere <sighs> so funny larsa accuses parvati she's like i have larsa's like i have really good hearing and i just feel like i heard alan stop right next to me or lift his arm right next to me like it's it's crazy dan is happy about the diversion larsa has created because the suspicion is like he's like this is great you know distractions and accusations as long as it's not on me is great for the beginning because you want to fly under the radar as much as you can i can see this is my first introduction to her and she is so silly she's like in her confessionals talking about how people like don't really they underestimate her she's like you know, I believe in aliens. I have conspiracy theories. I love cartoons. I can twist my arm. I'm quirky. Like, which I think is such a funny trope on TV when, but I feel like it's not uncommon for, for like some girls to go on TV and be like, I'm quirky. I'm not like other girls, which like no hate to that, but it was just funny to me. It's funny to me when somebody says like they're quirky or they're different. And then it's like, it's funny what they use as examples. Like her saying, she's like, people don't really see me you know but i believe in aliens i'm there's more to me there's more that meets the eye i i'm not just a pretty face i'm a pretty face who believes in aliens it's just funny to me bergy loved him from the beginning he's like super anxious they're all like bergy doesn't seem like he's gonna do well here which is it's sad i feel like he proves himself but anyways immediately they go into the first mission which after they like they talk a little bit they go into the first mission mission which is like building a puzzle in the like lake first they're all tied up and they have to untie themselves then they have to split up and half the people will go into the to the lake and try to find the pieces and pull them to, to the center while the other half of the people are looking through like a million bottles on shore that have like pieces in that that have like papers in them and one of them will have like the an the answer key the map the whatever the diagram of what the puzzle looks like so they're all scattered they're also shields and you can choose obviously to go for a shield or just focus on the general mission to get the team money and as soon as she's untied janelle goes straight for the shield which i admire there's one shield on land and there are two in the lake so she gets the first shield on land which i think is smart because that one in my opinion was the easiest one to get and she has it she's safe from the beginning so they only have like 40 minutes to do this and it really just doesn't make sense to me how they completed it but you know to eat i'll believe you 
then when they're in the water, CT goes for a shield, and then Deontay does well. So Janelle, Deontay, and CT are all safe. They cannot be murdered. They complete the puzzle just in time. How realistic is that? I don't really know. When thinking about who to recruit, Phaedra is like thinking that she would want to recruit somebody who people wouldn't connect back to her, which makes sense, which makes sense. I think that's a smart thing to think of because like if you were Dan, you wouldn't maybe want to recruit, recruit Janelle because say Janelle gets exposed and people figure out she's a traitor. And then people might be like, well, if Janelle was recruited, who would recruit her somewhere from her show? There, there are like layers to it. So I think that's smart that she's like, I don't want my fellow traitors to be people I'm associated with, which I think is smart because then if one of your tra- fellow traitors needs to be sacrificed, at least it won't like come back to you, you know? But anyways, in in the castle before like the round table, they're all, all like getting to know each other and talking more. And Tamara makes a joke about Peppermint being a traitor, which is just like an important thing to note for the future episodes. Dan is trying to figure out who he can recruit. Well, obviously Phaedra's figuring that out too. They're t- t- this is all happening in confessionals, obviously. Like they're like, I don't know who I would recruit. Dan trusts Janelle, obviously, but he's also like considering Parvati and Sandra because they're really smart. Trishelle is really starting to to doubt. Oh wait, I said earlier Tamara makes a joke about Peppermint being a traitor. It was Trishelle. Trishelle makes a joke about Peppermint being a traitor because it's Trishelle Peppermint Beef, not Tamara. Sorry. They're both blonde white women with um, with names that start with T, so I got it confused in my notes, but it's Trishelle, not Tamara. So sorry to Tamara. So anyways, in the like, I think they call it a turret, I don't know. In the like traders meeting, they're like, they're, they're talking about who they would recruit and then it's left on a cliffhanger and we don't know who they recruit. Then episode two is called Welcome to the Dark Side. And it opens with us finding out that Parvati is the recruit and she accepts the offer. Then Dan and then we're back to the trader meeting thing and Dan and Phaedra are trying to decide who to murder. Dan is pushing for Johnny Bananas because he knew that I was at home going fuck Johnny Bananas. I only watched like two episodes of House of Villains, but he drove me so crazy on House of Villains that I was rooting for Johnny Bananas to go first. I'm sorry, I know nothing of this man, but I have to say based off of his reaction on Twitter when the episodes were airing, I think Dan made the right choice. Johnny Bananas was not. I'm glad that he was gone sooner rather than later. Sorry, I was glad to see Bananas go. Also, a funny thing that I think Phaedra says more than once, I don't know if anybody else says this, Phaedra (laughs) talks about Dan and she's like, he's one big brother twice, which is just, like he didn't some may argue he deserved to win the second time that's neither here nor there i don't i think i don't know if dr will said this once but i feel like he did where he was like everybody who's won deserves to win because they did what they needed to do to be the winner in that moment and i and i think about that a lot because i'm like are there certain people that like from a a viewer standpoint you can be like that person deserved like you know obviously obviously like there are, and there are certain aspects of the game in big brother specifically that changed throughout the like danielle reyes i feel like is somebody that most people can agree deserved to win and she didn't because of something that now if she played in this mo- like if danielle reyes season had I mean, I don't know because they changed the whole way the sequester works, like the the jury works because of the reaction they had to her diary room session. So I don't know, it's hard, it's hard to say, but I feel like Ian 
I, I I feel like in earning that win, obviously there were a lot of close calls where like if certain if like one wrong move and he would have lost. But I feel like that's true of a, of a lot of Big Brother players. And I all this to say that did Dan obviously do like a phenomenal job in season fourteen. That like if he had earned the win, I would I would in no way dispute it. Yes, but I also think that Ian again it was a close call. Sometimes like there were he didn't play a flawless game. But he earned that win and he's a winner and I'm not going to discount that. But I, I do think there is something, sorry, I'll move on. But something I want to say about Dan is I do think there's something to be said about the fact that he's the only person to have one season and then get to the final two again. Like he's not the only person to get to final two twice, but no former winner has ever made it that far in their second game like that's never happened like the fact that dan was a winner going into the season and he still made it to the final two that's impressive as hell like that's never been done and i don't think just anybody could do it like all the other people who made it to final two twice they lost their first time he's the like he's the only winner to, and 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 getting to final two in some capacity you're not a big brother winner but like you're not a big brother winner but like he is still the only person to ever do that and i i just i don't think it can be disputed that he's one of the greatest of play of all time and like what he did in his second season is unbelievably impressive but i also i mean what he did in his first season is obviously unbelievably impressive but i think season 14 is the one he didn't win so it's the one people are like he deserved to win that like that can't be disputed but i also think ian deserved the win you know like i don't know it's just it's it's just funny that they're like he won big brother twice and nobody ever like corrects them like they they put that in the show like a couple times <laughs> of phaedra saying he won big brother twice and he didn't technically but he did get to final like he he got to final two twice and he won his like he's the only well, only three people that I can think of off the top of my head. If I'm wrong, then correct me. But I'm like 99% sure that this is true. Only three people have ever made it to final two twice. The first one was Dan. Dan won Big Brother 10 and then he got fine. He got second place in Big Brother 14. No other winner has that. He was the first person to do it from my recollection. Then Paul was runner up two seasons in a row. Paul was second place in 18 and then second place in 19. They did not win either season. Sorry, Paul. So it, they're the second person to make to make final two twice. Then Cody Califiore was second place on Big Brother 16 and he won Big Brother 22. So only three people have made it to the final two chairs twice. And he's the only person to win and then make it to the final two chairs. Like, that's impressive as hell. Like, the fact that... And I think if he had gone up, up against... Maybe not, but I feel like if he had gone up against a different person, he would have won. Like, there's just a lot of interesting aspects to Dan's game. That uh, he's, he's one of the best to ever do it. But technically, he didn't win twice. Anyways oh god i keep i keep i keep going on a million tangents but you know what that's that's part of the fun of this podcast i'm enjoying myself so okay so trishelle and peppermint are their beef is continuing okay this started last episode with a comment about like, oh it was something like they were talking about outfits they have they were like hopefully i don't die because of really cute outfits and then 
Trish Shell says something to Peppermint, like, me too. Like, if I die, it was Peppermint's fault, as if they were in, like, a competition for the outfits, which was silly because it wasn't, like, ever a thing that, in my opinion, Peppermint was bringing up. Like, Trish Shell was just being kind of... I don't know. So, and then Trishel's kind of pushing it. Also, sorry, I got sidetracked because of the Dan winning Big Brother twice. But this is before, like, it's left on a cliffhanger of who they're going to murder. And then they're at breakfast. And at breakfast, the Trishel peppermint beef is continuing. And then also at breakfast, Harvardy now is a traitor, but she doesn't know who the other traitors are. So she's trying to figure out who the other traitors are. It's a, it's a really interesting dynamic. She's like, I am like, you know, very interesting. The last three, there's kind of always, they come in in groups and there's always like a few people who are the last people to come in. So there's always like a speculation of like who won't be the person to come in. Like it's between this breakfast, it's between Bananas, Peppermint, and Kevin. And it's Bananas. RIP Bananas, good riddance. I'm happy to see him gone. So CT worries that he's next because he's like, I'm from the challenge. Like me and Bananas are like arguably the best to do do it in the challenge. Like I feel like I'm next because if he, he's gone, I might not be too too far behind. Peppermint is being too vocal at breakfast. Like error, error, error. Like people are suspicious of you, girly pop. Don't keep talking be quiet but i get it you know she's from drag race it's a different environment you know <laughs> it's, it's a different environment which i think too is also just interesting in the game because i'm like you know she was just being a little bit too out there like i i feel bad because i didn't want to see her go and like i do think that maybe they were too hard on her but i also think like that's the name of this game where like literally john was breathing and that became a big plot one <laughs> where they're like his breathing at the round table was suspicious. So I just think, you know, you do one thing wrong and it can really like sink you. So I think she just like, there was a tiny hole in her boat and she just kept poking more holes into it when she should have tried to cover it up or at least ignore the hole and hope she would sink slower. I don't know where my analogy is going. So for the, for the second challenge i don't know what they call them basically there are every episode there's like the round table um there's breakfast where you find out somebody's been murdered and there's a challenge where they add money to the prize pot which i have to say i watched season one but i just i genuinely don't remember they say there's like two hundred fifty thousand dollars, but then they're also like making the prize pot so is it like a possible two hundred fifty thousand dollars? but then if you don't win like you don't actually like I don't remember last time if they if they even got all the money or is it at, like at the end you double or nothing like I don't remember like how much do these challenges matter I think one of the another like difference that they did the shield thing from my recollection of season one was not something that was from the first challenge everybody was like up like available to be murdered from the beginning and then like halfway through the season or like maybe like two thirds in, like kind of far along. I feel like they added the shields last time. I feel like that's new and I think it's a good addition. But anyway, so there's that added aspect where they're looking for shields, which I think is the most important part of these competitions. And also most of them, not, not most of them, but some of them, like the first one didn't, but like some of the other ones involved like questionnaires and, and stuff about your fellow players, which I think can be very useful 
this one was it the, the challenge is split between three groups it's like groups of three and you like go through a field and you get to different scarecrows and each scarecrow is like a question based off of like a questionnaire you all did as a group and then you have to be like okay i think it's this one and then you carry that scarecrow to the next point and if you got it right the key should unlock or something and if you got it wrong you have to go all the way back and get the other scarecrow so there's like aspects to this because like you have to obviously be physical you're carrying these scarecrows but you also have to kind of know and i think separating into three groups is smart because if you're in a group you can just be like well what did everybody say and pull the group right there this adds more suspense because it's like they might split them up in an uneven way and i do think that probably i think the producers decided the teams we didn't get to see them choose the teams so i think it was producer chosen because there's a trader on each team and I, I feel like that is just probably smart. Like, I, I don't think it was chosen. I think it also probably, they probably did the math and they're like, well, this person, like all of these people said that they like peppermint more. So this team will probably get this question right. You know, I, I, I think they probably did that, but I don't know. That's neither here nor there. Suspicions are on peppermint now. Like going into the round table, people are like, I don't know, peppermint's kind of suspicious. Tamara is also suspicious of John because the breathing thing comes up again <laughs> and also he's a politician so she's like i don't know they lie um which was funny like they're just trying to find anything that could point to somebody being suspicious anyways they go they go through the f field they're trying to figure out the questions tamara asks john for an inhaler and he's like i don't have an inhaler so she's like red flag he said he was asthmatic everybody knows if you have asthma you would have an inhaler um, so they're kind of trying to, I don't know, accuse him of not actually having asthma. <laughs> it's funny. It like, it's not funny, but it is funny. They're like literally breathing. Like I would literally be so bad because I would be like so anxious and they'd be like, I mean, suspicious. And I'd be like, no, I'm not. I'm also like not a good liar. It's funny. This is not the same, obviously, but I once went to a murder mystery party when I was in college and in theory we were supposed to get like packets explaining our characters at least like a half hour at the latest before the party was supposed to start and we didn't we got them when we got there so i didn't know anything about my character like genuinely i was ready i was gonna like study i was gonna be ready i was gonna you know act i hadn't you know i i hadn't been in any plays that semester i was missing theater i was like let me i wasn't taking any acting classes i was like i, I need some kind of outlet to be dramatic, you know, and creative. Because I think it was the spring of my junior year and that fall I had been in a play and I had really been wanting to be, do theater again, maybe. I don't remember. I think it was spring of, of my, anyways, it really, it really doesn't matter to the point of the story. The point is that I was at this party and I didn't know what my role was, but everybody was accusing me of murder and I, I was I had had a little bit of alcohol I and I was literally like guys I swear to god I'm not the murderer like my secret like was that I was like it was it was like a Roman themed murder mystery party and I was like a ple plebeian or a plebeian what a plebeian I was like you know working class I was like poor or whatever and that was like scandalous because I was like I was like a politician in this world but I was also poor and that was scandalous. And I was like, look, I'm poor, but I didn't kill him. That's neither here nor there. My point is I, I, 
I would be like, I swear to God, it's not me. Like, I would tell you if it was me, but it's not. I don't remember where where I was going on. But the point is, any little suspicion becomes like a, a thing. There is a question about who is the most popular. And the group that Peppermint's in, they're like split on whether it's Peppermint or Deontay because most of them are like, we think it's Deontay. Peppermint's like, I think it's me. They choose Deontay, they go all the way there and they're wrong. Peppermint's the most popular. And she's like, well, I told you so they have to go all the way back, get Peppermint. Funnily enough, I think the team that didn't have Peppermint, I, I think the team's, I think the team with Peppermint is the only one that got that question incorrect. Like, I think the rest of them were like, no, it's Peppermint. Which is interesting because Peppermint was right there and they were like, no, we didn't vote for you. Like, were they all just like, she's a traitor and they were mad at her? Or did they just genuinely, were the, all of them like, we like Deontay more? I don't really know. It, it wasn't like everybody there was Deontay, but it was leaning more towards Deontay. So they went with Deontay. Then there's a question about who needs to speak up more. And the answer is Dan, which like setting him up, you know, setting him up again. That's an interesting part of these competitions where I feel like the prize pot money matters obviously but to me the more interesting aspects of it are like the shields and that aspect and also like the ones that have questions like the ones that tell you things about the way what maybe the producers are trying to get across or to have happen and stuff like that but anyways they don't get all the money and only dan gets a shield so once they've they've gotten through the the field then they get to like a general field or something where they they're like a bunch of scarecrows and the scarecrows have money. So you have to tear through all the scarecrows and some of them have shields. So some of them are looking for shields, like Pilot P went for a shield, but the only person to successfully find a shield was Dan. And they didn't get all of the money, but they didn't lose out that much of the money. Peppermint keeps digging herself a bigger and bigger hole. She literally like accidentally says traitor when she means faithful, like it's not looking good for her. She just needed to like stop talking. But you know what, again, I'm not, I'm not, blaming her max doesn't think it's peppermint like max for is like i don't think it's peppermint i think trishelle is stirring the pot on purpose then at the round table peppermint speaks first john's breathing is brought up again they're like you said you had asthma blah 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 he's like no i said i was slightly asthmatic as a child i don't even know but peppermint is banished almost unanimously i didn't write down who voted for who like what the votes were but peppermint is is banished um, it, it was like most of the people voted Peppermint. She's obviously a faithful RIP all of the fashion that we will never get to see from Peppermint um, on this on the show. And then episode two ends on the cliffhanger of poverty about to see the other traders. So they all go to the little, in my mind, it's like a bell tower, but I know it's not like a bell tower, but in my mind, I'm like, they're in the bell tower. <laughs> whatever, they're at the little cave or whatever where they meet the other traders and they have their little robes on and they're about to take their cloaks off to reveal each other and that's where the episode ends episode three is called murder in plain sight we see the reveal that it that who the traitors are to each other poverty had no idea it was phaedra dan she kind of thought sandra had recruited her because she's like sandra knows me from survivor um so she she really didn't know Dan is the only person with a shield, so anybody can be murdered at this point. Dan is worried about Marcus because one of the questions in the previous competition was who's the most influential or something like that. And the answer was Marcus. So they're like, Marcus can lead people. That is concerning. So Dan's worried about Marcus. I have to say Dan pushes a lot. Like, not I'm not saying that like negatively. I'm saying that Dan is pretty good at like pushing his agenda across in these meetings like i feel like most of the time the people he's wanted 
so far up until this episode we'll talk as the episodes progress but like episode one like he wanted bananas gone and bananas left and this episode he's he's pushing for Mar- like he he's doing a good job getting his agenda across i guess then at breakfast we see max thinking trishella's in danger because of the whole peppermint thing um peter's strategizing already which i love to see every time by the pete tries to strategize i'm like Slay King, love you. Um, I couldn't tell you why. I just there's something that brings me joy about Pilot Pete being on this competitive show. It it brings like I, you know what it is is I really love The Bachelor and I really love the game aspect of it and like the competitiveness and it's just it's nice to see contestants from like I think The Bachelor franchise is probably like my favorite reality tv franchise that and big brother are tied i'll be honest but i i think big brother to me feels so summery that like the bachelor is on almost like all all the time like there was a year there where there was like there was like a week break between seasons i think it was um i don't know if it was 2021 maybe or maybe 2022 i think it was 2021 where there like was one week off break in between shows like it was back to back to back like the bachelor feels like it's forever you know it's ongoing it's it's everlasting it's happening all the time they're always adding new (laughs) spin-offs like the bachelor is just something feels year-round for me where big brother feels like i don't know i just the bachelor holds a very special place in my heart okay i'm not gonna lie it's one of my favorite reality tv franchises ever i think it's the real it's the first like reality tv franchise i really feel like i got invested in it was kind of my gateway so i just i love the bachelor and it just brings me joy to see somebody from the bachelor competing on the show i'm like yeah slay peter (laughs) strategize the last three people who haven't come in for for um breakfast yet are janelle marcus and parvati and marcus is the one who was murdered r.a.p marcus again dan pushed his agenda successfully and marcus has been eliminated and i liked marcus for the record like i'm not happy to see marcus go but it was a smart move it was a smart move and marcus seems smart um larsa's obviously upset because that was her boyfriend um the couple has been broken up which i think is smart you know and larsa toasts to marcus which this toast comes up in episode four put a pin in that okay (laughs) at breakfast she says to marcus and they all take a drink of their beverages or whatever she toasts that's important for later trishelle is suspicious of dan because of how quiet he is the whole dan needs to speak up question starting to rear his ugly head and again he he's he is pretty quiet because that's his strategy he didn't want to make too many waves which honestly i don't think is a bad strategy but he's been very quiet and they're in like trishelle says this in a group and poverty's in the group but she's like i can't defend him because that'll like look suspicious on me but I obviously don't want him gone because he's like a traitor. And I think there is something to be said, and this isn't like an original thought, like they talk about this later, where it is smart to think about like not, like you don't want all of the traitors to get to the end with you because one, then you'll have to split the money. Like if you're the last traitor left, that's great for you because you get all of the money. If all three of you are left, then you're you're splitting money three ways it's less money for you first of all second of all those the the longer you go on with no traders being banished like the work like it it, obviously you don't want to be the trader banished but if another trader is banished 
and it's a trader that you don't have a connection to, like, it, it can be good for you, you know? It's good for the general group to, to and their momentum and their, like, you know, investment to, to get rid of a trader, like, at least one. Like, when Cody Calipuri went out in season one, I think that, like, it's, it's important to be, like, okay with one of the traders leaving, but also you probably don't want to this soon. But anyways, I, I don't know. She just, she, she, you don't, she just got welcomed into the fold. She doesn't want one of the traders going this soon. Max is starting to be suspicious. Deontay even, who, like, Deontay has been, like, friendly with Max, thinks that Max is being suspicious. And I will, I will give him that. Max is being suspicious. I think he's just, honestly, he's like, I'm in Scotland. I'm having a good time. I think he's just enjoying it. <laughs> he's just enjoying himself. Like, I don't think it was anything specifically that, that he suddenly started acting weird. I think he was just enjoying himself. He's like, I'm, I'm, this is cool, a cool experience, but it looks suspicious. They're like, he's too happy. <sighs> Which I think is a similar critique they had of Danny. It's just like, he seemed too calm. He seemed too good. You know, why is he so good? Why isn't he freaking out thinking that he's gonna die? Because literally we could just get a knock on the door and your game is over. Like that is scary, that is scary because sometimes it's like, it's scary because as a, a faithful, you can maybe like, if you figure out who the traitors are, try to stay on their good side so they don't murder you. But you also have to have in mind that the traitors probably aren't making their murder victims obvious because then it would easily go back to them so there is probably a level of randomization where it's like they would probably be willing to kill somebody they're aligned with if it is going to throw the scent off of them like there is a level of anxiety probably you have of being a faithful where it's like i genuinely don't know because even if it's my closest ally they might murder me so people wouldn't think it's them i don't know like you'd be freak i'd be freaking out the entire time i'd be so paranoid but anyways janelle thinks it's a man like a, the, there's got to be a man who's a traitor and leading these murders because bananas and marcus were murdered and that in her opinion thinks that a, a man would do that which she's not wrong like the man the the one man who's a traitor is the one who pushed for both of those murders so she's not wrong i feel like janelle might have an inkling that dan is a traitor but she doesn't want their good and i think as faithful it's smart to at least be aligned with one of the traitors knowingly because that way they won't kill you and you can get to the end the, like the, the the biggest problem would then be being banished because if you're good with with the traitors and you don't get murdered then you can get to the end and then at the end be like i think you're a traitor and then boom like that's a smart time like once the murder murders are past you that's a good time to accuse a traitor because they don't have the power to kill you you know like when you went to final four or final five i think what, what whatever number it was where they did the little thing in the fire and they threw something in the fire and you had to vote if you wanted to continue or whatever when you get to that point like that is the smartest time to get rid of a traitor because they can't murder you so but anyways janelle is right that it's that the that it's a man who pushed for those two people to be murdered the mission itself like the competition this time was kind of boring it's like a grave digging t light tag type thing and Honestly, I don't have much to say about the actual thing. There are shields up for grabs again. Bergy figures out the pattern, you know, a few episodes ago, episode one, they were like, Bergy doesn't seem too long for this world. I think Bananas said that. Well, look at him now, Bananas. Look at him now. <laughs> I've, I've never seen anything that Bergy's been on. I, I, so I don't know. I know he's from Love Island. So 
if he sucked on the island, I'm sorry, but he seems like a sweetheart. I'm rooting for Bergie. And he figures out the pattern, you know? He's like, I'm trying to prove that I can be part of He does a great job. Congrats, Bergie. So happy for you. Janelle fights with Ekansu for a shield, which was so giving. It was giving Big Brother 7 when she, when it was like an Otep style comp, but they didn't call it Otep back then. But it was Otep. It was like the musical chairs type competition. I just, I, I don't think they called it Otep back then. It was Otep and she like fought over the the, the doll with, with James or whatever. Anyways, it was really giving that, her fighting for the shield with Ekansu. <laughs> Although Ekansu did, didn't react as much. James was like, I am harmed. But anyways, Peter and Tamara also get shields too. And Slay Pilot Pete, again, I'm so happy for him. I'm glad he's safe. I am rooting for Pilot Peter to make it to the end. I'm just, I would love for a bachelor person to win. Again, I just like, although I have to say, I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad that Ari got nothing last season, okay? And you know what the thing is, is I, uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna get into my Ari land, I grant. I just, I'll, I'll, I'll say one thing briefly. It's annoying to me. Like, I, I think maybe the other, like the faithful Andy and Quentin have some leg to stand on and being upset that they were betrayed by Sri. I think, again, that's a good reason that, like, there are reality TV, they're all players because it's, like, there's probably less of hurt feelings if you're betrayed by somebody because, you know, you come from this world and you probably, like, it feels like the biggest thing that they were upset about was that to really, like, use the fact that they needed the money or, like, to manipulate them or something was a big thing. I don't know. That's my understanding of the situation. I just think it's nice that there's not, like, that, but it's, like... I'm really supposed to, like, okay. Quentin and Andy is still being upset. That's their cross to bear, whatever. But Ari Lion Dyke Jr., like, who the fuck cares? Why are you out here speaking for them? I find him so annoying. He has two houses, one in Hawaii, which, why, why, why is, why are you as a white American moving to Hawaii and having a house there, okay? Then when the fires were going on and people were like, don't come to Hawaii, he's like, no, people want you to come to Hawaii. And then all the people he linked to, the local businesses, quote unquote, who said they wanted people to come to Hawaii were other people who had moved to Hawaii, not natives. Like, I'm, that that's absurd, I'm sorry, that's absurd. Like, yeah, all these, all these like rich people who moved over to Hawaii and have businesses in Hawaii, they want you to go there. Those aren't the people we're talking about. We're talking about the native people who have been begging people to stop going to Hawaii. Like, I, I just, I can't stand him. He also took out PPP loans, that whole thing. Look up the Dave Neal video on that. My point is, Ari Lane Duck Jr., what, what, what moral, like, what moral high ground are you standing from? Because it, that's like the grave that they dig in the next episode. That's where you should be. <laughs> the moral high ground that you're standing upon. Mind you, he also exploits his children, but exploiting children and the whole like family vloggers, that's, I feel like a, you know, touchy subject for some people because they're like, some people don't think, which I think people who think this way, in my opinion, are like behind the times. But if you make money off of a platform and then heavily like include your children on that platform, that is exploiting your children. That is just, that's simply my opinion. I think the fact that they made Instagram accounts for their children when the children, when like that he made Instagram accounts for his children when they were literally in utero. And like to me, 
what is the point of them having like a public Instagram account for like hundreds of thousands of people to follow if not to monetize it? Like, are you making money off of that? And if you are, like, does every ad you feature your child in, are, are you saving money from that for them, for, from that ad? I'm not saying do you have money saved for that. I'm saying if you film your children and they are in content, that you make money off of, they should be getting a percentage of that for that ad specifically. Because if they were a child actor, they would have a Coogan account that saves 15% from them for them that they get access to when they turn 18 so their parents cannot squander all of their money. I'm just saying, I don't think family channels and people who make money off of their children, I, I just, I to me, that is a worse, that is more wrong morally and harmful than betraying somebody on a show called the traitors and you know what it's like if i was on the show i need money okay i'm not rolling in money if i went on a reality tv show and i needed money because i do like i'm a working class person <laughs> if i went on one of these shows right and it was my first time on reality tv like if i was from a place like i i, I i'm sure i would be hurt but then i would be like this is a game like it's a game and I got outplayed and I didn't get the money. And that sucks because I could use the money. But I'm not going to stand. I'm not going to. I'm sorry. If I was Quentin and Andy, and obviously they know him. They like played this game with him. But if I was Quentin or Andy, I'd be like, Ari, like respectfully, please, I don't need you speaking for me. Like Ari Lyondeck Jr. is your advocate. Like the, the man has no, in my opinion, really solid moral compass like no high ground to stand on and he's out here on my side, I'd be like, Ari, please, you are so out of touch. You have two houses and Sari wanted to buy a house for her mom and like you're on this high ground like shaming Sari. Shut up, shut up. Mind you, you he caused real harm on his shows and that wasn't even money at stake. That wasn't even a game at stake. That was, and I believe The Bachelor has game show like traits. Like I'm not saying it's not a game, but it's not outwardly a game, you know? That's not the goal of The Bachelor. It's to, like, find love. And you, like, fucked with people's emotions on that show. You know, you caused harm. Does that mean that you should have trouble sleeping at night? If somebody said that to you, don't you think you would feel shitty about that? Like, please, wh who are you coming from? Like, not only, in my opinion, has he done things wrong outside of the reality TV thing, but when he was on TV, he caused harm. He betrayed people. He hurt people. He probably led women on. He got engaged to somebody and then broke off that engagement. Like I do. He caused harm too on his stints on reality TV. And I don't think that he should have trouble sleeping at night. Just like I don't think that the Sari has to live with what she did. Is it, it? It's not that serious. And she was on a game show. Sorry. I just I can't stand that man. And I don't remember where I was going. <laughs> don't remember where I was going. But. Oh, I really like when Bachelor contestants go on the show, except for Ari. Even, okay, I have to say, I'm not a big Nick Vial fan. Like, I liked him on the shows, but, like, the man drives me crazy now postseason. Like, I'm not a fan, okay? I'm a Nick Vial hater. I'll be honest. His takes on his podcast drive me crazy. Not a fan. Not a fan of Nick Vial. I'll say it. But I would I would love to see him on the show. And I would probably be rooting for him if he went on the show. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I wouldn't want him to be a traitor though. I wouldn't want him to be a traitor, but I wouldn't be rooting against him. Like I wouldn't, I say that I would probably be rooting against him, but from a game perspective, not like a, a 
I keep going on tangents. I'm rooting for Peter. I'm glad he got the shield. That's that's where I started this tangent. So people are suspicious of Dan. MJ's also suspicious of Dan. Max is still acting weird. So there are a few people going into the round table that are like question marks. You know, Dan is suspect. Max is acting kind of weird. We see Kevin and Peter strategizing, which again, I mean, every time Peter strategizes, I'm eating it up. I'm like living for it. He's like, we need to create a diversion. If we're going after each other, they'll keep us around. (laughs) I'm rooting for you, Pilot Pete. I really am pulling for you. So at the round table, Dan addresses his being quiet. And I have to say, like, honestly, through... From the edit, I don't know, because I, I'm sure the, the round tables go longer than what we actually see. But the attention on Dan, it kind of pivots pretty soon. Like, Deontay's like, I think it's just his personality. But, you know, who has changed and who wears a poker face better than a clown or whatever he said. It was so funny. I should have written it down. But he was like, this man wears a poker face that could fool a clown or something like that. I was eating it up. It was so funny. Um, he accuses, he's talking about Max. He's like, I think it's Max. Sandra's also like, Max, you did, you acted weird this one time too. Like people are piling on Max, right? Then Max, to to divert attention, brings up Janelle, Nick, and Sue fighting over the shield. And then CT also thinks Max is guilty. He's like, that is something a traitor would do, diverting attention, changing the subject off of you. Larsa then thinks it's Stan. She's like, you're too quiet, you're too calm, you're too, you know? Again, with the whole... I think part of the reason people people pick up on that energy. Like, if you're not anxious all the time, they're like, why is Ian so calm? Why is Max laughing in certain instances? Like, just, just having fun. Honestly, I actually would probably not be suspected because I'd be miserable the whole time. <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't be miserable the whole time, but I have depression, so I'd be sad. And then they would be like, Emmy's too stressed out. She, she thinks she's going to get murdered. I, I don't know, actually. It really, it really depends. I'm, I've changed my, 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 my thought on this a million times. I'm like, I would be suspected and then because I'm so anxious. And I'm like, actually, I wouldn't be sus- suspected because I'm so anxious. You know what this is reminding me of? Not exactly. But there was a point on, on Big Brother 25 where Cameron was like, Corey is so anxious. It's <laughs> suspicious. And then like, he'd be like, Corey is so calm. It, I'm like, just say you don't like Corey and you want Corey out. It was so annoying to me. Something I will say though, some of them do just say, I don't like you, which I appreciate. They're like, I find you annoying, but we'll get to that. The voting this time at the round table is a lot closer. Like it, it's coming down to the wire, but Max is banished. Max is the one, Deontay really put, Deontay and Sandra did a really, really pushed for them, like not thinking it was Dan. And so Max is banished. MJ calls out Sandra and Deontay's influence. Like she's like, you guys had influence and like I don't want to be mean but you were wrong (laughs) and Deontay gets really upset like Deontay's crying I feel like what MJ said really weighs on him because the whole an innocent man being banished I feel like that really got to him especially knowing that he had an influence because he really did think that it was Max the traitors for this murder they're not meeting up they get like a little paper or whatever that says that they have to murder somebody in plain sight. So there's like a chalice in a book in one of in one of the rooms. They have to get the chalice and they have to get somebody to drink from it. And whoever drinks from it 
will be murdered and it's a slow acting poison. So Parvati and Dan talk about it. Phaedra is like, I'm gonna leave it up to, to them because I, I don't really socialize with my colleagues. <laughs> she calls them colleagues. She's like, I don't really talk to my fellow traders. So like, I don't, you know, which makes sense. She's not gonna go out of her way to talk to them because that would raise suspicion. Dan and Parvati have some sort of relationship. So they talk about it and they consider Cherie but Parvati's like, Phaedra won't like it. And then Dan's like, you just have to come up with a good reason. So it's on Parvati now. She like decides she's gonna be the one to, to poison somebody. And she is in the room with Cherie and she's considering getting Cherie to drink it. And Phaedra clearly isn't having it. And Parvati kind of ab aborts that mission. She's like, I know what I can get away with and what I can't. And so the Cherie thing, she pivots from Cherie and then she's like trying to figure out who she can get to drink from the chalice. Like they, they thought about MJ, but she's like, MJ's not gonna drink from this chalice. Like who can I get to drink this chalice? And episode three ends on that cliffhanger. Episode four is called The Funeral. And I should have known this would be Dan's <laughs> time to shine. So it opens with Parvati being like, I know who my target is. And she gets Ekansu to drink out of it. and. Immediately after, Ekansu's like, you're not a traitor. I don't think you're a traitor. And we also find out that before breakfast, we find out that Deontay left the game. And I read an article that said that he like decided to leave because the environment was like triggering him, which I think it's, it's it, you know, it's admirable. And I'm glad that he stepped away from a situation that was causing him distress because it is a game. And obviously there are real emotions, but your emotions are more, like it, I, I think that was a smart move for him. I'm glad that he prioritized his mental health and he stepped away when he needed to, so. And I honestly, you can tell, like he literally cried because he felt so guilty that Max was banished because of him. Like I, which just made me appreciate Deontay. I was like, what a sweetheart, I, lo I love him. I don't know anything about this man. And I'm just like, I was rooting for him, but I, I'm glad that he, he did what was best for him. But anyways, Deontay is gone. And in his confessional, Stan is saying that he is considering turning on Phaedra because of what I was saying earlier, that it's smart if you're a traitor to not have all the traitors get to the end. You know, if the faithful have some kind of blood, then, you know, like right now they're they're desperate for traitor blood. If they get a little bit of it, then maybe it'll throw the tracks off of them. And Phaedra, he thinks, is the, is the best person between Parvati. And I think that's smart because there are kind of cliques starting to form and Phaedra's kind of in her own alliance. She literally said in the last episode that she doesn't really like socialize with them. She doesn't really talk to them. So it, it makes sense on his part why he's leaning towards fake, um, Parvati. And he literally, he literally like wanted to recruit Parvati. So it, it makes sense, but he, he he's considering turning on Phaedra. But anyways, all the, um, all the traders congregate at breakfast. Like first Dan and Phaedra come in and they're like, we don't know who died. And then immediately Parvati comes in and she's like, it was Ekansu. And Phaedra is not happy about it being Ekansu. Specifically because she voted for Ekansu at the banishment. And so she's like, this will look guilty on me. Oh, and this is when Dan is 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 saying that he's starting to, to turn on Phaedra. My notes are out of order. I apologize. Janelle comes in. Janelle doesn't want Phaedra to leave, she says in her confessionals. 
people are slowly starting to come in and they think MJ might be the next victim. And they start to notice, the non-Bravo people start to notice that everyone from Bravo is still there. None of the Bravo people have been banished or murdered. So they're like, that is suspicious. Janelle says in her ITM, she's like, she explains the clicks. Clicks of the shows and just generally are starting to form. Like there's the Bravo click, which is like everybody from the Real Housewives and Bravo shows. Then there's the gamer click. And then there's the faithful click, which is the gamers are CT, Dan, Sandra, and Parvati. The faithful are Janelle, Bergy, Trishel, Peter, and John. And Janelle says Kevin is also a faithful, but he's a dumb one. So they're like different alliances, I guess. And it's interesting because I feel like there are people like Trishel comes from the challenge and Janelle comes from Big Brother. So like on the surface level, if it was just by genre of TV show, Janelle and and Trishel might fall into that gamer bucket because they're both from that kind of competitive show genre. But because they think they're faithful, they're in like the different bucket with Bergy and Peter and John, which is interesting because I feel like Peter, Bergy and John are not really from like, the, the Bachelor and Love Island are like, kind of a separate but there it, it, it's interesting because it's not really like bravo and obviously it's different because the bachelor is more like bravo just has so many different shows and the real housewives like they're all over the map and and just because you're one of the like you're a real housewife of one place doesn't mean that you know anything of the other like it, it's just so vast in a way that the bachelor is like so interconnected that it, it i don't know what tangent I went to go on, but it's interesting that the clicks that are forming and how much is influenced by their reality TV background and how much is just based off of the relationships formed and the dynamics. Like Janelle thinks, like Janelle could easily go into the gamer category, but she thinks, but she knows she's a faithful and she probably is suspicious of the other gamers. So she is in the Facebook click. But anyways, Larsa makes it about her. She's like, all the people that have been murdered are in my group, which is stupid, Larsa. Sorry, with peace and love, don't draw attention to yourself. That makes you look suspicious. Why would you say that? That was just silly. Like, if you think you're next, then express that to like a close confidant. Don't, don't in the group be like, everybody who's murdered is connected to me. Because to me, that would be like, why is she making, letting us know that everybody's connected to her? Because she's trying, trying to throw the scent off of her. It, it's just too suspicious. Ekansu comes into breakfast and Parvati is shocked. They're all, they're all shocked. All the traders are like, we thought she was dead. <laughs> Phaedra even says, either it didn't work or Ekansu is the second coming of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Phaedra is just so funny. Like, she's so funny. Then Alan comes in and they're all like, nobody was murdered. Gasp. And Alan tells them that somebody was poisoned last night, but it's a delayed poisoning and they'll find out at the end of the mission who died. Peter, pilot Peter, very intelligently says, was anyone given a drink? He's catching on, you know, he's he's thinking of these things. But Ekansu does not think, oh, Parvati gave me something to drink, you know, which is interesting, it's interesting. Tamara and Kevin are starting to have beef. They just find each other annoying. Like Tamara's like, I, I think it might be Kevin, but do I just think it's Kevin because he's annoying? Which I think is funny, again, just normalize people not liking each other on reality TV. I loved it. I loved them just being like, I don't really like you. Larsa thinks it's an alpha male that's leading the traders because of all the men going, which Janelle had this idea a couple episodes ago, which again, I think is smart because it is a man that was really pushing. 
all, I mean, they don't know who was poisoned because she's kind of the first woman who goes, like, she's the first murder who goes against the mold of, like, the other, like, the alpha males are picking each other off or whatever. But anyways, the housewives are sticking together. Tamara, again, thinks it's Kevin because he's annoying. And they're starting to be suspicious of Ekin Sue. Like, they're like, maybe it's Ekin Sue. Like, she was so, like, over the top last night of, like, when I find out who the traitors are, I'm going to be so mad. Like, that's suspicious. Which is funny because, meanwhile, she's dying a slow death and they think that she's the one who's doing the killing. Which is funny. Dan plans to use poverty to take a shot at Phaedra. Which, when he said this, I was, like, a little, a little hesitant. You know, I was like, I don't know. I feel like that'll backfire and he'll... I really, I think it's part of that fear that I had about like how much I love Dan as a player. And again, I admire anybody going into a show and like when people think you're such a great player and having and like proving yourself or even if you don't do a great job, just putting yourself out there again is admirable. But I was even starting to like doubt Dan and I was like, I'm scared. I feel like it, it won't work out for him. I feel like if any of the traders are going first, I feel like it's going to be Dan. I was really worried about that. So I was like, I don't know how well this is going to work for him. I'll be honest. I was doubting Dan, but I shouldn't have. Why never doubt Dan Giesling at a funeral? It's called the funeral. Like they knew what they were doing. But anyways, so this mission involves them like slowly narrowing down the options of who was murdered. They like, there are like separate clues. And if they get the answer correctly, they all of the people who are the answers to the question get put on like this this carriage and then there's like they narrow it down to three people the three people with the shields are on the carriage first so that isn't is a lim- those three people are safe and then because obviously they can be murdered they had the shields then the first question is like the the answer is people who were born the same year so they just say what year they were born and they narrow it down and those people are safe and then eventually it it gets down to the three people are poverty mj and ekansu or the three people who could possibly be murdered and for the final round the players have to guess who they think was murdered and which i say which i have to say i think when when they first explained the competition i thought that they would get clues as to who was murdered which like they got clues in that they narrowed it down but i thought there would be more like the clues wouldn't just be like okay it wasn't this person i was thinking that maybe at the end they would be like well what do we know about these people and you guess based off of that i think that would have added an interesting element it's just who they think of the three was most likely to be murdered and so they all guess mj because they think mj makes the most sense of who would be murdered and they're incorrect obviously the traders vote for mj because they don't want to vote for Atkinson soon and make it suspicious no money is secured because they all voted for mj then going into the round table a few names are like popping up obviously it and it's kind of between larsa and ct going into the round table of who people are suspecting sandra and the gamers want one of the housewives out because they're like the housewives are sticking together it's got to be one of them so they're leaning towards larsa because they think she is the leader of that group and meanwhile the housewives and like their side of the house of the main of the castle or whatever they think that it's an alpha male so they're leaning towards ct there are kind of two camps going into the round table poverty's goal going into the round table is to break the housewives apart 
again, Dan was so smart to get into Parvati's head and like convince her that she needs to break up the housewives because she gets the blood on her hands and he's mostly safe. I mean, I, we haven't completely seen the fallout, but it worked out well for him in this episode. At the round table, Janelle starts and she brings up the cheersing thing that Larsa che- cheers to Marcus at breakfast. And she's like, if somebody was poisoned that day, it could have been you, like that's suspicious. So that's kind of the first brought up, which again, I said the cheersing thing would be important. She brings it up. She's like, this is suspicious. What's up with that? You know, cause Larsa's a suspect. So that is something that Janelle is using as evidence. Then Larsa thinks it's CT cause she's like, it has to be an alpha male. Like look at the, the people who have been murdered. It has to be a man. And I think if it's gonna be enemy and it's, it's CT. Then Kevin speaks up and I think either defends CT, I don't know, but Kevin speaks up and then immediately MJ accuses him. They beef a little bit. Tamara also thinks it might be Kevin part because of the whole, he's an actor apparently, which I didn't know. I, all I know is that his title card says Bling Nation or something. <laughs> so MJ accuses him. Then Parvati brings up, she's like, the acting aspect is something I've been thinking about too, like the whole performance. And because of that, I'm thinking, you know, maybe the housewives, that's an aspect. The housewives get kind of defensive of this. They're like, we don't act. We just live our day-to-day lives, which is interesting. It's interesting. They're again, different genres, sections of reality TV are, you know, bumping up against each other. There's like different questions of like, these people are gamers. These people or housewives, they act, they're more performative. It's interesting. It's interesting the way that the different shows they're on impact not only what groups they fall into, but the way they view each other in their gameplay. I find that fascinating. Phaedra is mad at Parvati. She's like, why is she throwing suspicion onto me? So the votes come down. Dan votes for Larsa. Tamara votes for Kevin. CT votes for Larsa. Cherie votes for John. Um, because Cherie doesn't really, she says, she's like, I don't really know who it is. I don't have enough information. Berkey votes for Larsa. Berkey says that he felt like going into it, it was between CT and Larsa and he just trusts CT more. Meanwhile, there's only one vote for CT so far. Then MJ votes for Kevin. Phaedra votes for Kevin. Sandra votes for Larsa. Peter votes for MJ. John votes for Kevin. No votes for CT, one vote for CT so far, which is interesting to me. Then John votes for Kevin. I don't know if I said that. Peter votes for MJ. John votes for Kevin. Janelle votes for Larsa. Larsa votes for CT. So now there are two votes for CT. Parvati votes Larsa. And then Kevin votes Larsa. And that is the final vote in Larsa's coffin. And she's banished. But the last vote is Trishel's. And Trishel also voted for Larsa. Larsa's banished. And she's a faithful, another faithful gone. RIP. Post banishment, everybody's upset, like they're fighting. Cherie thinks that they're being played by the gamers. Like the non-gamers now are like, we don't play, we don't play. Like we're not in a group, like this isn't, we're not used to games. Cherie's like, we're being outplayed by them. They're manipulating us. It's not us, it's them. Like they're throwing it onto the housewives, but it's the gamers. So then the housewives, I feel like are more determined than ever to stick together. (laughs) I have to say, I think, it's so interesting to think about, like if they had voted, say Larsa was a traitor and they voted her out and the gamers had been right, would the housewives then be like, we need to doubt our own? But because one of their own was confirmed to faithful, they're like, well, we trust each other for sure now. I just think that's interesting to think about. Like imagine if it was Phaedra that the heat was on and Phaedra got voted out and then they'd be like, 
man, we shouldn't really trust each other. I don't know. I think that's interesting about like how this banishment just like reinforced and, and strengthened these existing groups, if that makes sense. Phaedra says that she would have voted for Parvati, but she didn't want it to be like a mean, vindictive vote. Like she's mad at Parvati. The housewives again are like, we need to focus in on the gamers. Janelle's name is brought up. The battle lines are being drawn between shows. And Dan's like, we really shouldn't have the battle lines drawn between the shows. And then they go into, then we see the bell is rung, which means it's it's time for sleep. And they go up, the, the traders go up to their little meeting thing. And part, Phaedra is mad at Barbudi and then it ends with them fighting and we don't see who they murder or anything like that. But it was a great episode. I think the dynamics of the different shows and the different genres is super interesting. I think that it's so masterful how Dan was kind of a name that was brought up in the last round table and he used poverty to kind of shift the attention on him. And now even amongst the gamers, Dan's name is not being brought up. Poverty, like Phaedra even says like in, 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 in her getting mad at poverty before the episode ends, we see Phaedra being like, nobody trusts you. Everybody thinks you're a traitor. Like, I think I was worried that Dan was gonna be the first traitor to go. I think if any of the traitors are banished next, unless she like saves face and something happens, I think Parvati's gonna be the first traitor to go. Like, I think he did such a great job of, 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 of removing the target from him, getting somebody out who really suspected him. Larsa was pushing hard that it was Dan. Like he, he did a great job. He got the housewife suspicions up without really being the one to put his neck out there and make these points, you know? Smart, it's smart. And I think even though Phaedra's mad and she will probably also, like she even says both of you, she has less power amongst the traders and that it's two against one. So I don't know, I don't know, but I'm excited for the next episode. I don't know how many are coming out every week. I don't know if it's gonna be like some shows, sometimes they do like one episode and then two episodes and one episode, or I don't know if it was just like the first three and then every episode from now on is gonna be one episode a week. I'm fine either way, I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited next week I'm gonna talk about The Bachelor and then the next episode of The Traders. But before I wrap up, I wanna talk really quickly about Smash after having finished the entire series. So I talked, I, I went I went in and I was like, uh, do I have any notes to say about the first season? I feel like maybe I could dive more into it. Maybe, you know, it, it was Bachelor off season for a while. So I feel like I had some downtime, but now it's the new season of The Bachelor is about to start up. You know, it, 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 it's not off season for me anymore. So I'm like, I, I really, I don't know. I can't, I, I can't dive deep. I'm, I'm gonna do Percy Jackson whenever that comes, but I'm like, I don't really know. Like, I don't have time to dive too deep into it. So I don't really think I have much more that I wanna say about season one. But if you don't know, I talked about Smash last episode. And if you care about my thoughts on season one, I recommend last week's episode. But season one follows the whole Marilyn musical bombshell, which I talked about last week. Season two, in my opinion, I liked it better. I think season two is better. I think season two can stand alone. It's good and important to know the characters because I think there are a lot of seeds planted and things that follow through into season two that are like great if you were following season one. But I think the season two storylines, like season two, it just does such a great job of continuing the storylines of the characters that we knew from season one, but like expanding the world. Like season one was very 
insular and focused on the bombshell of the musical. And season two, you get kind of the same characters navigating more than one show. And it even starts with like, they're all going in different directions and then eventually they go back to the musical. And then Karen's still Marilyn for a while, but she's really like into this other play. And then she ends up leaving Bombshell because the director's different. And he, which I think was such an interesting way of of making Ivy the lead then. And then allowing Karen to be the lead in a, like a rival musical. I mean, like writing wise of how they wrote the show. I think that was really interesting and smart because it wasn't like Karen left or Karen was fired or anything like that. It was kind of like the direction of the musical changed. So it just wasn't the right fit for her anymore. And it was, it's kind of nice because it's kind of like she was Marilyn in that iteration, but then she wasn't the Marilyn of the new Bond, Michelle. She fit more the other role. And I obviously, I love the characters that are brought into season two. I love the music for um, Hit List, that musical. I really love the Hit List storyline. I have to say, I didn't remember, and I said this last week, but I generally, when I was watching the show, started remembering, like once Ivy got cast, I was like, okay, this, this makes sense to me. I completely, spoiler, if you haven't seen Smash, maybe like skip a couple minutes. Spoiler warning, okay? Spoiler. I forgot that Kyle died. Like, I didn't remember that at all. When he got hit by a car, I literally was like, we're gonna see him in the hospital. And then they're like, he's dead. And I'm like, he's dead? He died. And then, like, I, I don't I don't remember watching this at all. I have no recollection of it ending. You know what's funny though? I say that, but then I'm like, I remember Ivy being pregnant. I don't remember which happened first, but I remember Ivy being pregnant. I don't remember Kyle dying. But you know what I have to say now, I think it's not interesting, but no, it, it, it is interesting. He's not a real person. I can say that his death is interesting. It feels mean to say because I was so sad when it happened. But I think it's interesting that they talk early on when Karen discovers Kyle and Jimmy's music and she plays it for some of her friends. They're like, they, they, they bring up Rent. And I just think it's interesting. And I don't know if they did this on purpose, the writers of Smash, but I, I think it's interesting that Jonathan Larson, he died. He died like right when Smash, not Smash. He died, they're both like one, one word, big bold letters. But Jonathan Larson died like before Rent really blew up. I think right when it was in previews or like right when it was starting Broadway. I don't know. He like, he, he died suddenly like really early on into its success. And I think that's an interesting parallel of, they compared him, like they compared it to Rent and then Kyle dies before it goes to Broadway. I don't know. And I have to say the Tonys, at the beginning of season two, there's a lot of like bombshells kind of up in the air. And then eventually Karen like moves to hit list that musical and Derek's there too, the creepy director from season one. He like leaves bombshell and then Karen goes to and she they go to hit they, they work on hit list and then eventually Kyle dies and they transfer to Broadway and um it's just it I don't remember what I was saying where I was going 
oh oh and the the season ends with the tonys and and them winning and i have to say as much as i was like i've always been more team karen and i was like i like hit list better i have to say i think the way that they did the tonys was really nice because hit list won more because it was a big conflict of like you've been following bombshell since season one but you're also rooting for hit list and they're like rivals you know it was, it was really well done i really recommend smash season two i recommend both seasons but i liked season two better so if you only want to watch one season i don't think you need to have seen season one i think it provides interesting like background but i think most of the season two plot lines are completely new like you can pick up and if you know the general like they were in this show they did previews that's really all you need to know like it's not super important but i think obviously there are aspects like Ivy's relationship with her mother, which is first introduced in season one, where when it comes up in season two, it's that much more powerful, the way they do it and the way it wraps up and all of that. So like, obviously it's, it's, it's good to have seen season one, but I think season two stands on its own well, interestingly enough, but I don't remember what I was saying. Oh, I was happy with the, with the way the Tonys played out because Karen didn't win, spoiler, but I, like Ivy wins for best actress and that's kind of like nice and full circle because Ivy has been through a lot and she gets to tone Tony I'm happy for her like hit list wins more but bombshell wins like the really like wins really like important ones they win like best musical they win best director which is big for Tom because it's his directional debut but then Kyle wins for best book of a musical which was just so beautiful and I have to say even though it's obviously they're like competitors the two shows hit list and bombshell there is a very nice camaraderie and connection like it's nice that they're rivals but but a part of the team w was the people that we got to know from season one that were working on bombshell because there's a lot that's like not competition like julia helps them with hit list and the and the book of it so she spends a good amount of time with kyle so she has a relationship with kyle it's not like they're just two competitors who have no connection to each other even when jimmy gives his acceptance speech on behalf of kyle winning the tony and he talks about how much broadway meant to kyle and how much like he had a collection of broadway of like playbills from like failed shows and he pulls out like the bombshell one and he's like he went to see this and he had notes but he he thought it was great and then he he talks about how kyle really like he really praised karen's performance and 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 then he and then jimmy's like and without that girl from that show like this wouldn't be a like it's just it's so beautiful it's great i love that they clearly when they were filming season two they knew that that was going to be the end they wrapped it up very nicely and the the last song like they they sing a song and it, it's about like leaving them wanting more and that's very fitting like i i would have loved a season three but i also think it's nice when a show wraps up neatly and and concludes stories while leaving things open-ended and like hope for the future obviously because you don't want a story to end with like everybody dies and that's the end of like everything you want like a little bit of like imagination of like there's more to come but also i have less questions than i have answers you know so i i think they did a good job in that regard like there are things that are like you know you're hopeful for like jimmy and karen's relationship is kind of up in the air because jimmy there's been this question mark about jimmy throughout the whole season two of like why doesn't he have a social security number and you find out that he like was involved in like 
drugs and he thought that he left a girl to die and the good news is she lived but he is gonna serve jail time for like distribution and stuff so like there but that he really like it's it's left on this note of like clearly him and karen want to pursue things after he serves his time and it seems nice like i don't know it's like there's open-endedness but there's also closure it's just it's a great ending the music's great. If you like Broadway, it's only two seasons. The the seasons are like 20 episodes. Season one is 15. Season two is 18. So it's like, it's not a crazy amount of episodes. It's available for free. I genuinely recommend Smash. And maybe one day when it's a bit slower and I don't have a, a lot of shows airing real time that I want to talk about, when things are slow and I don't have as much things that like as many shows to cover that are like that I want to cover in a timely manner, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll do a revisit of Smash and like do a deep dive recap because i loved the show and i'm excited that like i go through phases where i will like just forget or like not listen to broadway song like show tunes a lot and i haven't listened to like all of smash like there are some songs that i i i i literally i listen to let me be your star like all the time but there are some songs i honestly i hadn't heard any of the songs i hadn't listened to any of the songs from season two in a while so i've been listening to those a lot and i'm really glad to revisit it i have to thank my sister for, for starting to watch smash i don't know why what inspired her rewatch but it inspired mine and anyways that's where i end this episode it's gonna be longer so um hopefully it will be out by sunday but if it's out monday that's why because i talked for a very long time so Anyways, thank you so much for listening. It means a lot. Please follow me wherever you listen to podcasts. All my social media is linked down below if you have any comments, concerns, feedbacks, critiques, and just to stay up to date if I'm delayed and all of that good stuff. So thank you so much. It really, it means so much. I cannot express how much it means when people listen to my podcast and give me feedback. It means a lot. So thank you so much. And you will hear from me hopefully next weekend. If not, just sometime next week. You'll hear from me next week. Bye guys.